what's good, Internet? It's the Harvest the Colin Atrophy, and welcome back to Radio Harvester. This is the beginning of Season 3, or as I also like to call it, uh, the end of an arbitrary break from me doing this podcast, and now I'm calling it Season 3, so it doesn't sound like I just was slacking off. It sounds like a deliberate break. Um, welcome back. I'm glad you're here. Uh, there's some different stuff going on, like for one thing... I don't live in New York anymore. I haven't for a while, but I live in Pittsburgh where the pizza is truly awful and I will not be eating any pizza here and so I will not be conducting interviews in pizzerias and so I might just do them in my house where it's quiet and we can hear me and the guest and it's easier to edit and that'll be cool. I don't know. We'll see. But uh, in the meantime, the first episode of this season is a longer cut of an oldie with uh, an episode number whatever with my friend Brontes Purnell, uh, one of my favorite living writers. He is super talented and I had the, cur- uh, the courage. I had the courage of reading. I had the pleasure of reading with him. Um, believe it or not, I was thinking of an episode of Deep Space Nine when I said the word courage by accident. Uh, anyway, I had the pleasure of reading with him on my book, uh, my short California book tour. And now he won a Whiting Award, which is uh, an award given out to promising new authors and he is that and i'm so happy for him and here's this conversation enjoy digging Alabama? Yeah, totally. I was in this band called The Socialize, like with like the one other black riot girl in Alabama. Okay. My friend Tamika, who actually still lives in Alabama. And we were on, we were on, um, we would just go on book, you remember Book Your Own Fucking Life? Yeah, of course I remember Book yeah, Your Own Fucking Life. Yeah, we like would just like sit there and read Book Your Own Fucking Life all day to see what <laughs> other punks were in Huntsville that we could meet and oh, hang out. You're from Huntsville? Yeah. Okay. Um, well, actually outside of Huntsville, like, try, I'm, I'm in the county, Huntsville was the city, if you okay, can even yeah, call yeah. it that. I mean, I spent a bunch of time in Chattanooga, so I know. Oh yeah, I lived there too, yeah, yeah. a little bit. Um, but, um, what the fuck, yeah, so there was, um, we met Bob. This kid Bob, who was in this band at the time called Jarvis, and we like we both ended up hooking up with him, right. <laughs> like, and then like he introduced us to. Um, that's basically how we got to know the Chattanooga punks. This was 2000. I moved to Chattanooga in 2001. Okay. I was only there a year, right. but I had been hanging out there, like, just going to shows there for maybe, like, two years before that. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, um, and then I met this hippie boy from Bloomington, and I ended up, like, moving to Bloomington for six months. Okay. But then um, I also had friends. That people. was, like, peak Bloomington, too. I feel like that was, like, neck bandanas everywhere in America, and that, like, yeah. kind of weird Bloomington cupcake aesthetic was, like... Predominant? Yeah, Planet X was like a big touchdown. That was a big deal, yeah. Yeah, like, I'm actually surprised how, because I'm looking back, it seems like everyone's way too cynical for that type of thing to happen now. You know what it is? It was good advertising. I bought that Operation Cliff Clavin CD out of an ad in MRR, because it was like, the ad was a paragraph in handwriting that said, our CD costs five bucks, because this is how much it costs us to manufacture, and we're only making 50 cents off it, and we're not ripping you off, and give us a chance. And I was like, I'll mail that guy five bucks. 
What do I care? I live in the uh, suburbs. I guess it is pretty. Yeah, I mean, and it yeah. just it worked, and then it was like decent pop punk. Yeah, <laughs> like decent because <laughs> well, it wasn't good. Right, Operation Cliff Clavin was not a good band, but it was passable to a 16-year-old. I was 16. I was real into like some grim street punk, like New York City street punk, like the Casualties and shit. But I was okay with it. I was like, the Casualties, cool. ew. I was real into the Casualties. Oh my god, no. Growing up in New York, it's different though. You know what I mean? You know what? I was thinking about that, like, cause I was like, you know, I've lived in punk warehouses here forever, and it surprises me how many kids like. It surprises what angle you come in at punk. Like, cause like, I'm still be confronted here with like kids with like the shiny mohawks and the clown yeah. pants. I never, like between like living in Chattanooga, I always thought that like punk meant like a really crisp flannel. Like, you know, you look like a really suave, debonair like uh -huh. guy. I thought like it was like being like a really handsome romantic. That's what I thought punk okay. was. I never, like the whole like, I don't know, like the crusty elements or whatever, like that always like red is more hippie to me. And I don't know why, I don't know how it went down. I actually question that in my adult life, like why I thought like I had to be a suave guy or something. Yeah, that's, like, I think about punk fashion all the time. Yeah. Because like, I grew up and I was definitely, like I had a foot tall mohawk that like faded real nicely from super blonde to bright red up at the top like a flame you know what I mean I was like yeah fuck yeah my leather jacket with the leopard collar I had like the blank 77 pogo guy painted on the back you know what I mean I was like real into it I had patches all over my pants it was kind of corny also because I was like I was super young you know and then and then I remember I remember so many moments this guy Kevin Kelly who was like the most perfect embodiment of like just like hot masculinity in my life that before I kind of registered like oh this is what I this is why I'm drawn to this guy because he kind of looks like young John Cusack but with like a scummy mustache and he's wearing a Boy Scout shirt with the sleeves cut off and Anarchy A drawn on the back and Sharpie you know and it's like that is there's something really hot about that you know yeah. and I was like I was getting I was walking out of high school one day he, did, he went to Catholic school which is like a little different you know what I mean I was walking out of high school one day with this kid that I didn't like, who I had stayed after school with to work on some shit, and then this bully came and stole that guy's pen. Right? No big deal. We're walking to the bus stop, and Kevin Kelly cuts across my old high school to go home, and all of a sudden I see Kevin Kelly come walking up to me and this dude I hate at the bus stop, and he gives the dude his pen back. And he was like, yeah, Colin, I saw that guy steal your friend's pen, so I just went and got your friend's pen back. Like, yeah. <laughs> I walked home to whatever and I was like who is this perfect man you know what I mean <laughs> looking back I was like I think 90% of it was that sleeveless boy scout shirt and like <laughs> the way kind of different fashion signifiers have stood out in my life as like like that's someone I should know yeah yeah like, like yeah that that's someone, someone that I, I should be to, that's someone I should become that's someone I should be close to you know what I mean like I definitely have always been really drawn to like visible and like kind of aesthetic shit. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, so it's super interesting to think about the different phases. Like when I was 23, with like my coquettish like shirt hanging off one shoulder and my pink neck bandana, playing Sean Paul songs on a ukulele at the fucking lesbian coffee shop. You know what I mean? Like that was a bad time. You know, we 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 don't talk about that. <laughs> Cover like glue. The Sean, you know that Sean Paul song? No! I don't really care what people say. I don't want to watch what them want to do. 
Oh, so I got a stick to my girls like glue, and and you rewrite it to be about about feminist allyship. Because it's an unfortunate period in American history. How old were you? How old are you? I'm 31. You're 31. Okay, we're like the same age. Yeah. yeah. So I was 23 eight years ago. What's your sign? I'm Aquarius, Virgo rising, Scorpio moon, Venus and Pisces. No, okay. I'm I'm Cancer, but I have I am Sagittarius moon and rising. Whoa. Just yeah. hold on, video, okay? Oh, okay. we're ready to order. I'm, I'm totally ready, yeah. Sure. Um, I'll have a slice of pepperoni, and then a slice with bacon and feta. Sure. And then a side of marinara with it. You got it. Yes. yes. Let me just get one plain slice, one pepperoni. You got it. Beautiful. Easy. Keeping it simple. I'm basically like, um, I'm a grandma sandwiched in between two fucking crazy sluts. Can't really go wrong there. So back to you. You moved to you followed this hippie to Bloomington. Yeah. And what was you only stayed there six months? Yeah, it wasn't really like I don't know. Bloomington was just like weird. And yeah. plus, like I had grown up down south. You know what I mean? So I was never quite used to like. One thing was like, you know, like people always say like if you're black, you're a minority in America. But like down south, there's hella like down south in the east coast there's hella black people so you right. never feel that but then like i moved to bloomington like i remember the first day i was jogging around this like black dude came up and like hugged me like weirdly <laughs> hugged me and was just like hey man where have you been and i was just like where have i what are you talking about what do you like mean? Yeah. but then like it was just like oh wait like i'm in the midwest like and also just like i don't know like it was just like that scene was a little more cupcake and it made me realize that growing up kind of like or like being around chattanooga punks i definitely had some yeah, those, grown man proclivities at way too young of grimy, age yeah. man it was fun you know it was fun though i yeah. like think back for like for like a little gay boy who had been like fucked with a lot you know it was right. a good scene to come into yeah it was like sure. a good it was it was cool like sometimes sometimes i wonder if i'll ever go back you know, like if go I go back get, to the south. Yeah, but I would never do it unless I could be like a professor somewhere or something. Right? You know what I mean? Like, but I don't know. So then you you leave Bloomington, you go, you end up in Oakland. Yeah. No, I always had a reference for Oakland because actually, have you been to Eli's Mile High yet? Oh yeah, you know I, that guy's from DC that owns that place, right? I have no idea. I who think owns it. I think he's a high school friend of an old friend of mine. Okay. I have been there. Yeah. Okay, well, my grandma's brother played blues there in the 60s and 70s. He was Whoa, like an okay. Oakland... He, my grandma's brother moved out here in the 60s, and he was kind of like one of the bigger West Coast blues guys. He had worked with like Eddie James and Creedence Clearwater Revival. What's his name? J.J. Malone. Cool. I have like his records at home. Yeah, his, okay. Actually, his record is him like standing outside of Eli's. His band partner was this white guy named Troy's Key who had bought Eli's because Eli's became a club. There was this guy, Eli, right. who was like a drug dealer or something. And one night, one of his mistresses shot him and killed him. So the guy that was in the van with my uncle bought Eli's after that. And then they started putting out blues records. Okay. So, yeah. So he would come back to Alabama. So you asked me how I got into punk, like, I mean, I also had my uncle who was like, when I was like 12 and 13, coming back and like teaching me like blue shit on right. the guitar, you know what I mean? That like, really, it, it makes sense. I love Younger Lovers, by the way, I don't know if I told you this, oh, yeah, but yeah. I, I have all their records, they're fantastic. I think it's a great band. Oh, we got, we have fun. Do you have any vinyls? Yeah. Oh, well, okay. I bought all of them. Shut up! Yeah, yeah. I'm stoked. I got a big book advance a couple of years ago, and I just decided I had to go out and buy a bunch of records and like, 
support all my friends' projects and shit. Oh, and wow. that was part of my, my giant record buy as I ordered every Younger Lovers record. And they're so good. But uh, it's so obvious that you learn how to play guitar from a blues guy. Or like, uh, maybe not yeah. so obvious, but hearing you say that, it becomes clear, like, I can hear it in the in the albums, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, for sure. The, the, like, simplicity of some of the guitar parts that you write, it makes sense. Yeah, like, sometimes I, like, don't like how... I feel sometimes really, like, ignored by the garage community, or, like, sometimes, like, that I would get, like, these reviews from, like, these whack-ass white dudes from the Midwest who, like, there are so many times where they said that you know, I obviously have like garage contemporaries here, right. and they'd be like, "Oh, this band is ripping off these fucking honkies." When really, it's just like I learned under like the direct yeah, thing. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, it made me think, wait, how come these people like get to critique me like this? And also, how come their bands make so much more money when I'm the real deal? Like, fuck them. Yeah. <laughs> like, That's a good question. Like, I was real. I, would, I get real angry. I get real heated about that. Yeah. You can imagine. You guys, do you go on tour a lot? Um, we've toured like the UK, we toured up the West Coast. I've actually spent the last like couple years just trying to like finish my degree, which is taking for I finally graduated in June. Mazel so, tov. Oh god. What's your degree in? Um dance and theater. Okay, I wanna get to that too because I really I've been I've been sober now for three years and like six months ago I finally learned how to dance again. I used to love <laughs> dancing. But I was super wasted from when I was like fifteen till I was twenty eight. It and, happens. Right. You know, horrible. We live in a horrible world. How do you cope with it? I stopped drinking again in April. You get fucked up. Yeah. Um, and I stopped drinking. And then for the first two and a half years I wasn't drinking, I couldn't dance. Because, like, I didn't know how to be in my body like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because yeah. it was so much of dancing for me was about, uh, I don't know, just being fucked up and not having Abandonment. Any... Yeah, right. And then, and then recently I was at... I was at a wedding and then I was at some bar and I was just like, oh shit, oh, oh man, what? Oh, I know how to dance again, what the fuck? And it's great. And now all I do is dance and I love it. And I, oh, it was also, it was inspired by, uh, you know Zara that lives out here? Oh, yeah. yeah. He did. Zara did my radio show. They, when I asked him uh, what gender pronoun to use in describing her on the radio show, he said to go back and forth from between male and female each time I refer to her, which is hard to do, because you gotta keep... Always gotta be extra with that queen. <laughs> like, always. Right? Making it a lot of work. I like it though. But they were talking about, uh, just like, they were talking about movement, and like, not dance necessarily, but like movement in the world as a way to, um, like, ch altering the way you move your body, and similar spaces from day to day like in your own bedroom when you wake up in the morning just walking differently or like walking down the block that you live on with like a different style of steps or whatever and how that can change your whole demeanor right and I was that was mind blowing for me because I always thought of I do like a definite uh, like like posture and gait is the way that you walk right I do like a posture and gait code switch real hard if I'm in super masculine spaces or like just cool places to be. Oh yeah, right? for sure. And like when I sit on the subway, if I'm alone or if it's late at night, I'm like, I definitely got my NYHC, you know, stance or whatever. They're like, don't mess with me. And then when I'm just not uncomfortable, I definitely, there's like, I move differently. And so I always thought of 
altering movement as this really sad thing that I had to do to not face reprisal for not doing masculinity right. And I just, and I never thought of it in terms of like something that could inhabit my life in a positive way. Yeah. Right? Does that yeah. make sense? Oh, no, and, then, no, no, yeah. and then Zara said what they said about just walking differently, and that was cool. And then I saw that music video that you did that was like the old style with all the different dances where y'all are walking down the street. Oh, my dance? Wait, oh, no. Uh, it's a Younger Lovers video. video. Keeps on falling down. Yeah, 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 yeah. Totally. And I was watching that. I just happened to see that like two weeks later, and I was like, this is the shit right here. Like, <laughs> this is so beautiful. Just everybody is out there having so much genuine and earnest fun. Yeah. And it just, it made me so happy. And I wanted to talk about ice cream. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we're having a good time. We're getting in there. Cheese and pepperoni. Right here. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, oh, you know what? I'm going to get you some napkins and some Yeah, please, and thank you. Um, and I guess I wonder, like, how did you get into dance as an art form, right? Um, okay, so, like, when I was, like, when I was, like, five, I used to, like, sit my dad down in the living room and act out scenes from Flashdance because it was my favorite movie. That's fucking adorable. And Can then I, I used have, to watch... Can I take a picture of you yes. with your pizza? Perfect. Um, and then I used to, like, um... You know that Janet Jackson video, Pleasure Principle? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, cause, and then I, my mom used to sit me in front of BET when I was young, and I'd be like, oh, I want to be a dancer that lives in the warehouse. Right. But then also, like, Alex was a dancer that lived in a warehouse. So, I mean, I guess it's like I kind of made that true. Like, And so I got to California, and, like, I always, like, danced at shows, and I always enjoyed dance, but I started going to Laney College, and they had a dance program there. And I feel like growing up down south, there just wasn't that type of access to, like... Right. Or, like, dance was never seen as an option. It's like, if you're a boy, you go play basketball or football. You know what I mean? Like, I think, I feel like recently they've been trying to, like, my cousin lives in London, and all the boys on his soccer team take ballet. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's, like, it's, no. like, a way to get them more better at, like, they take ballet under the auspices that'll make them better at soccer. I could totally see that. Right? Yeah, yeah no, it makes tons of sense. But yeah. I, when we were kids, that was not. No, no, of that course was not. not. How you shit never, was going down. Yeah. You never sat in a ballet class, but um, I just had access to it, and then I kept studying it, and then I kind of got um, into the scene here. There was like this whole scene that was kind of like the performance scene here was like you know people that were like really punk based and really cool. Like Tooth has been working with me a lot in like the dance world. Uh, my dance partner and him like do films. Yeah, the last time I was out here. About a year ago, maybe you showed me a film you guys did at the Berkeley Museum, maybe. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I did there. I was curating over there for a while. Yeah. And I did some dance nights over there. Um, and it just kind of snowballed, you know. No. Yeah. Right now, I'm writing grants so we can my company can go up and down the West Coast next year. You have a dance company. Yeah. Oh, you've never. I'll, I can send you the video. We've done a. Cool. We did yeah, a whole like do. Super 8 film. Like I'll link it on the website or whatever when I put the podcast up. Yeah, for sure. So, What's um, the dance company called? A Brontes Purnell Dance Company. Okay, cool. Which I mean, I don't know, like, it, it's been cool doing that. And it's cool like how much, how it's a company that's, I don't know, it's pretty much informed by like my punk life. You know what I mean? Like, that's what I was going to ask. Like, I was talking to Golnar a few episodes back on the radio show and she was talking about, you know, she does that uh, Bitarov, like, 
Iranian uh, diasporic counterculture magazine. It's fucking cool. Um, Golnar, with four other academics, runs a magazine about Iranian counterculture throughout the world. That's rad. Yeah, it's so rad. And she was talking about how, like, if, like, clearly everybody, she's not, like, the reason the magazine exists or anything like that, and, like, clearly everybody contributes a ton, but if none of them had been punk, if she hadn't come from a punk background where she was like, we're gonna fuck stuff up and it's gonna be okay, and let's just do some shit, and the fact that we're doing it is more important than doing it well necessarily, and we'll start doing it well eventually, if we just try hard enough, it might never have gotten off the ground, right? Because it's like, I feel like starting a dance company, that's like a huge thing. Like, how do you do that? Where do you get the fucking chutzpah to say, I'm, I'm gonna start a dance company if you're not either like raised in some world of like, like childhood pageantry or a punk, and you're like, I can do anything because I'm punk. Pretty much, right? man. That's all it, man. That's all it was fucking based in. Like, yeah. I keep thinking about like, oh no. I always think there was definitely like rewards from my misspent youth. <laughs> right? Yeah. Man, this is. What do you think? I think it's good. It's not. It's. I mean, it's not a great. It's not a New York slice by any stretch of the imagination. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But. I am pleasantly surprised. I have very low expectations for out-of-town pizza, and I am pleasantly surprised. I know. I don't know why. It's weird. Like, I feel like it's always so split. Like, especially, like, here in the Bay, like, everything either wants to, like, bill itself as, like, some, like, some other, some replica of another place, or very strict, like, this is Cal California fine dining cuisine. Like, I don't know. I think it's hilarious. It is. It's like, this is so California. <laughs> but I've come to me, but I was also like, I was like looking it up, like, and I was just like, what does California cuisine specifically mean? But it's actually just like, whenever you add bacon and avocado to something, it becomes a California something. Fucked <laughs> <laughs> up. I believe that. Mm. So, how do you go from, you come here, you go to Bloomington, you end up here, following, your kind of family trajectory right back out to Oakland. When you said Oakland was always present in my mind, I thought you were gonna say something about like like lookout nineties well, lookout records. That stuff. too. That too. Like um there was my friend I met when I was eighteen I did a show in Alabama, the fleshies that came out. Um and we played a show with them. Like that was the first time I met like the fleshies. Aaron Comet Bus was like like in the tour van with him and I was like 18 and gay and he was like wearing Daisy Duke so I thought he was a faggot so I remember like being 18 and kind of like following him around. You got those cheekbones too. Yeah, I was just like, is that another gay guy? What's going on? Um, and then also like they had a zine by Janelle who I was later in a panty raid with who asked me to join panty raid. I also was friends with um, Hunks, Hunks lived out here, Seth Bogard or whatever, mm -hmm. from Hunks and his Hunks, and me yeah. and him had actually been pen pals when he, yeah, we're doing amazing. Me and him had been pen pals from um, when we were like 15 and 16. I think we met on like some Kill Rockstars message board, but Whoa. he was he was living in Arizona and I was living in Alabama, and we would trade zines back and forth. He was actually like the first person I came out to, and I knew he was living out here. 
So I just, yeah, between that and my uncle, like I always had like kind of like this crazy reference for Oakland as someplace I could maybe be. I feel like the thing, I love that people are like, I met, I met Christy Road, I think, on the internet also, but oh then we God. were, then we were actual love physical her. pen pals for a really long time. Yeah, back you know, when people like, still did that. There was like, there was that thing where like we had the internet to kind of connect people easier, but then we also still did the weird old time stuff. Like yeah. Book Your Own Fucking Life still actually existed. Yeah. You know, like all that p- things happen in old fashioned ways, kind of. And it, I, I liked that. I liked writing and receiving letters. Like I barely do that anymore. Well, no one else does it, so it's like. No. I never get anything in the mail anymore. It depresses me. That's like the other half of why I started ordering a bunch of records when I got my book advance because I just wanted to get mail. What's your book advance about? Oh, so I wrote a book. I just finished it. Um, I wrote a book. I wrote a memoir about eating all the pizza in Manhattan because it took me took two and a half years. And while I was eating the pizza, I quit drinking. And it was like a whole thing. And the zines, you know, it's like very soon you realize that the pizza reviews are playing second fiddle to just me using it as an excuse to write about punk stuff and talk about my friends. Yeah. Um, no, I'm totally into that. I have, like, two books coming out, too. Well, there's... The Cruising Diaries just came out. That book is so good. It's, just, it's a damn mess. Like, um... And then, um, I wrote a... No, I got a writing residency in Mexico, like, two years ago, and I wrote this novella... Cool. ...called Johnny, Would You Love Me If My Dick Were Bigger? <laughs> like, and that's coming out in February. Do you know that band, The Ripoffs? Have you ever heard of them? I know the name, but I can't put well, any faces to it. They're from, wait, was it the ripoff? Wait, is it, I think Mike Lucas was, anyway, Mike Lucas. Maybe he was, yeah, he was in that, yeah. I don't know why I'm so stoned and confused right now, but he, he has this, he works for this um, publishing company and they put out out of print, like 40s and 50s delinquent literature. And so they, they thought it would be like a good modern match. And then right now I'm writing the novel for the Sister Spit imprint on City Lights. Oh, cool. Oh my god. Welcome to the crew. You wanna be in my gang, my writer gang? I really am. Yeah, you are. We realize. Okay. What's the new novella? Huh? What's the new novella? Johnny, you love me if my dick was bigger? What's it about? Um, it's basically, I mean, it's also obviously based a large part off of my experiences. I've been right. having this thing where I, like I feel like you used have you has that name been on some Peckincorn thing you did? Yeah, it was um, it was originally a zine, but I expanded it into a novella. Right, Caroline put that out. Yeah, Caroline put that out. Okay. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Everyone like wants you to like call everything a memoir, but it's just like, oh no, I write about such grimy shit that I'm gonna call it fiction just to, you know. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Protect the fucking not so innocent, namely me. How long are you here for? Until I don't know. I gotta ride to LA Sunday or Monday. And then you're flying back to... You're flying back to New York from L.A. That's cool. But, yeah, it's good. I just finished my book. I'm just like... I finally get to breathe again. Like, I feel like I've been locked up in my house writing my book for two years. And now I'm like... It happens. Back out in the world. It was good, though. I needed that... I needed that time away from... Like, our, our community to learn how to not drink and hang out with people at the same time. Like I needed to get strong enough in my not drinking 
alone in my apartment to then go back out to like be at a show and not drink. That shit is hard. Man. You know what I do? I buy a lot of Pellegrino because that bottle weighs the same as a 22 of Valentine. And so just holding the glass bottle, it's just, it feels right to me. You know, like I'm standing at the, lurking in the back of the punk show with my hood up and this green glass bottle in my hand. And I'm like, okay, this is about right. This feel, all the, all the sensations are the same. The weight is the same, you know? I buy ginger beer in the little glass <laughs> bottles. I bring it to the bar that my friend works at. I make him put it in the fridge. And then when I go to the bar, I'm like, yo, let me get one of them ginger beers. And then he brings me a ginger beer, pops the cap. I'm like, okay, thank you. It's I guess fun. it is so like, I mean, I guess drinking is so psychosomatic and ritualistic. It really is like you never, it's never like, yeah, you never notice how like that's like, it's not even always just like the alcohol and being drunk. It's just like the whole process of like. Yeah, it was all of it. Yeah. Every, I mean, it was a lot about that, that being wasted constantly to blot out the voice inside me telling me what a dickhead I was basically at all times. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like the kind of perpetual self-deprecator or whatever. And like, the, I, I, I'm very anxious. I get really neurotic. Hard to be that way. Yeah. And it's easy to not be that way when you're wasted. But it also is just like, these are the things that I do. This is the order. I wake up. I get my coffee from the bodega. I pour white horse scotch in it. You know what I mean? It's like, this is the order that I do things. This, this is where I walk. This is where I stop to get this size bottle of whiskey that fits perfectly in my vest pocket. You know, like, it's about having, like, uh, like psychic armor or whatever, right, against the, the cruelties of the world. Let's adopt a baby and have a happy life. That's what I mean. Yo, I was at the airport. <laughs> I was at the airport with my friend Salvatore just now coming, coming here, and... These two, like, super kind of, like, sporty, younger-than-us, Euro kind of dudes came walking into the weird food court we were in, and each of them was holding a little baby carrier. Like, they each, they had two babies with them, the two of them, and I don't know if they were, I don't know what their deal was. <laughs> but I was like, I was like, Sal, why don't we each have babies? Like, why don't we just get babies? And I'm going to do it. Like, you think so? Yeah. Probably like in my like mid forties. You gonna know, adopt a baby? Yeah, probably or whatever. I don't know. If I can, it's um, it'd be so much money to like get my sperm washed. <laughs> <laughs> my best friend is who, since I've been thirteen. He's trans and he just proposed to his partner. He called me to ask me some advice about. The proposal, I forgot what he was like, I gotta ask you a question. And I I just like I guess I picked up on kinda what the vibe was of the what the question but not the exact details. And you know, he's my friend for eighteen years and I was like, dude, of course you guys can use my sperm to have a kid. Like of course. And he was like, no, ew, no, that's not what I'm at. Ew, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna propose and I wanted to know if you could drive me to Home Depot to pick up this boat motor. <laughs> I love the ill. <laughs> yeah. I felt like the biggest dick. But like luckily you know people since you're 13 and you can do dickhead things like that and yeah. it's just water, it like doesn't even matter. Of course you can have Of course, course man, of course. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And like how fucking, how like myopic is it of me to be like, oh, 
of course you would want my like <laughs> you two are gonna have a kid like who's who do you want the father to be like the biological father or whatever to be obviously it would be me and not like one of the many other uh, better you know what I mean like could be anybody what the fuck Right? No, I think they would want. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, yeah, obviously. Yeah, cutie pie. They should want your sperm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. A little column running around. Mm-hmm. I've had multiple <laughs> pregnancy had, scares. No, no, no. I've had multiple female friends who had pregnancy anxiety dreams that resolved by them giving me the baby in the dream. Isn't that Whoa. funny? I got like some maternal, maternal shit. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's what, see, that's what's up. Yeah, I used to be a nanny, too. Oh my god, really? How was that? I would just take the kid to Topkin Square Park to hang out with Krusty's, you know? Like, what's Thompson Square Park? Topkin Square Park, it's the park in Manhattan that all the Krusty's used to hang out at. Oh, okay. Just like, sit around with oogles. Oogles? Yeah, like shitty crust punks. You know the word oogles. You don't know the word oogles? No. Oh my god. Like, White kids with dreadlocks and amoebics back patches and nausea back patches. Oh, you mean my old dating pool? Yeah. <laughs> Precisely. I feel like I had so many ideas that I wanted to, to delve into in conversation with you and I forgot all of them. So I hope this is going okay. And you know, no, it's only fine. Cool. I'm having fun. I don't like. You play in a really cool band, you do cool art stuff. Like the dance, the dance thing is so fascinating to me. Like, how did it go from I'm in school studying dance to I have a dance company now? I was actually on academic probation. <laughs> like, I was on academic probation, and like, um, um, I've been doing just a lot of work. Like, like I've been in this like African company for about five years. Um, is that Austin? Look like he would just like punch me during sex, right? <laughs> That's what I need. Mean. You look like, angry. <laughs> um, I was in these African companies for about five years, um, and that was like really fun. Um, but then it was like I was also feeling like I was feeling like really like kind of like um, disillusioned with kind of rock and roll at the time. Like right. I was just kind of like I was just kind of like. I don't know, Garage Rock was bumming me out just because it's just like, it's kind of just like a bunch of normal straight white Garage dudes. Rock is a fucking bummer, yeah. It's kind of a bummer. Like, I, I play it because it's pure and it's like where I came from, but when you think about the overall of like who you have to like be with and impress, it's like, you're kind of like, who the it's, fuck are these douchey normal, it's not a freak scene. No, and it's like, it's a kind of nihilism that's not, it's like nihilism like, oh, I just don't believe in anything because it doesn't, because I don't care and I've never had to care. Yeah, oh, but I'll still wear Ray-Bans and Vans and like right. all this, you know what I'm saying? It's just like, it's douchey and I was like, I have got to, I have too much, I have too much fucking self-destructive, beautiful, creative energy right. to like, you know what I'm saying, sit around with this. Waste on these fucking idiots. So yeah. I wanted, to, yeah, so I wanted to, I wanted to kind of like do something else. I danced in Gravy Train forever. Right. You know what I mean? Like. So I was kind of like feeling like I wanted to do something like more physical where I could just like throw my body into it again. Yeah, totally. And so it was, I got a call from the Berkeley Art Museum. And what's funny is that they actually, you know, cause at the time too, I wanted to like change it up. Cause I mean, people still remembered me as like this, like 
young drunk slut who was just dancing around in his underwear. Right. You know? So they called me up and wanted me to do like an underwear party at the Berkeley Art Museum. Can you even fucking imagine Ooh, that? Yeah, that's fucked up. But it's, I like, I was like, well, actually, like, I'm working on this like film right now, and also, I'm like, I'm like, oh, I'm working on this film. Oh, at the time, like, I was working on this dance film. Like, right. I had gotten really into like. I really got into like Maya Duran and Yvonne Rayner, okay. like just like their films and stuff. And I was just like, I want to make like dance for film, you know? Uh, um, and then um, I wanted I wanted to preview it, but then I also wanted to like you know like have my dance company perform. Right. So the lady that was programming it that night was programming for that night. I was like kind of like, oh, can I have my dance company come? And she was just like, you're what? Like. It was so far removed. Like I kind of had to like sneak it in there, you know okay. what I mean? But then I got it in, and like the head programmer there really liked the job, so he asked me back next summer to curate. Cool. So kind of started like that, then snowballed, you know. And so now, like, um, you know, we've been doing pretty good. We got two grants last year. That's rad. Um, and then I just got back. I taught a performance workshop at the Montreal Pop Festival in September. Oh, sick! That's yeah. awesome. So, oh. Just so um, yeah, that shit is cool. Do you think? I don't know. I actually don't have any follow-up questions. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have a question that I ask everybody though, which I'm so curious about. Um, what? 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 Who do you think? If you had to pick a rapper that like reps where you grew up, like when you were a kid or whatever, was there like a like? You know what I'm saying? Like, New York is tough. I grew up in a sp particular suburb though called New Rochelle, right uh -huh. outside the Bronx. Uh -huh. And Brand Nubian is from New Rochelle, uh, so like if I had to specifically say like this is, this is the rapper that reps where I'm from. This is it'd be Brand Nubian, right? And like, but I like traveling to the rest of the country where it's a little more spread out, and asking people, like talking to people in parts of Georgia that like, are pretty far from Atlanta, but are still like, yo, it's like whoever so and so, it's a fucking Jermaine Dupri or whatever, you know? Like, yeah. I just wonder how that those kind of regional maps map out. So I'm curious. I don't, if you I, have any any thoughts on that? I don't think there is anybody. Like Huntsville is such a weird place. Like there's a NASA base there or something, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, it was the home of the Marshall Space Flight Center forever. So it was like it it was supposed to be like the space town, but right. it never kind of it kind of never worked out because there was never like the funding for it. It was kind of like it was built on a tourist trap. Okay, that's what they wanted people to believe it was, but it was never quite that. There's a lot of influence or a lot of people coming through there, but like right. culturally that place is pretty fucking dead. There's no, the only, I can say like in my youth, culturally, the only thing we listened to rap wise was whatever was coming out from Miami, what was ever coming from New Orleans or what was ever coming from Atlanta, which actually those three cities culturally have absolutely nothing <laughs> to do with Alabama. There nothing is no, at all, yeah. There but. is nothing, when you really think about it, even the states that surround it, there's really kind of nothing like, what's the cool, the coolest shit that ever came out of Alabama was Truman Capote, Tallulah Bankhead, and me. That's it. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> no rappers, oh no God. fucking like, 
no like you know what I mean like it is crazy like what a cultural wasteland I feel that place is I like it because my family's there but like yeah. even Mississippi just like the judge in Mississippi just overturned the gay marriage ban like you can get gay married in Mississippi Alabama no still can't and you know and that's the thing about Alabama we, Alabama was always like well at least we're not Mississippi but now it's like, <laughs> like now it's just kind of like what the fuck like yeah it's so interesting there like just the way that like it makes sense that there you know there was like this super vibrant punk scene in fucking New York City or whatever when I was a teenager but I love I almost think it's cool like it was way more punk whatever was happening in like Huntsville or Chattanooga or like it I man you know sometimes I think about it and like I, I think I don't know I'm always trying to figure out like what like the pros and the cons of it because it's like it definitely was like here are your 10 friends like right. figure it out like oh like I don't know like maybe they say some racist shit maybe they say some sexy shit maybe like I do feel like I was more engaged to have like conversations with people when you're sharing that small of a space right. you know what I mean like here like when I disagree with somebody I just like don't see them yeah, you know right, what I mean peace. like because yeah. it's like I have 20 other friends that, you know... Don't have to... You know, which I think is good and bad because I also don't feel like you should have to be, like, sequestered into having to, like, you know, yeah. make your politics congruent with people. You right. know what I'm saying? Definitely. Like, You know, I do feel like life is too short for that. You know, you kind of have to keep it moving. Absolutely. But it did, like, I don't know. It taught you a certain level of diplomacy. Yeah, for sure. Was it... It was mostly white kids? Punk rock is always white. <laughs> well, you know... Well, I know, but like, I was talking to Christy Road about this, about coming from Miami and in New York for me, like, the like, peace punk shit was mostly white kids, but like, I would go to the NYHC matinee or whatever at CBGB's and it was like, half Dominican kids, you know what I mean, and like, a handful of black kids. And it was like, definitely different from, and like, the street punk scene was pretty like, pre-Latino also, you know, and it was like, I think just because it's a bigger city, it's and there's like a long history of kind of Latino involvement in punk in New York City, stretching back pretty far. This guy, Freddie Alva, is actually doing these really cool, he was like around since the very beginning of punk in New York. He's from, I forget where he's from, but he moved to Jackson Heights from somewhere in South America when he was a kid, and got involved in punk real early on, and he's been like really... Uh -huh. rigorously documenting that shit uh, whatever anyway I don't think it's such a foregone conclusion though that that punk is, is mostly white I think the punk that we were part of was mostly white though for sure I definitely I think growing up down south I feel like punk was mostly it was mostly I feel like it was mostly white kids um was that like I mean but I was lucky because I was in a band with like I don't know how it happens like in like like kind of like rural Alabama, I found one other black girl who was in the Bikini Kill. Yeah. And we started a band. Like you guys found each other though. You know what I'm saying? Like no, that like I, that definitely that def. And I meet kids from everywhere that didn't have that experience. Like I meet kids who grew up like on the Afropunk website. The website. You know, yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like they'll sit there and be like, "Oh, wow! How did you two find each other?" Oh, like they're so blown away that we like were in Alabama, like making like basically like kind of like hardcore music, like yeah, you know what I mean? Like, 
and that definitely <coughs> that definitely altered my life in a specific way like um yeah um was it mostly straight also yeah but then I hooked up with so many boys I never really right it's hard to tell <laughs> it's like a little blurry <laughs> it's a little bit blurry um but I, I mean for the most part yeah like I don't know but then also, I don't know, I go back and forth because it's also like, it was the community that like kind of like accepted me the most, you know, like, cause I mean, there was, I think about like looking back, like it's like a young gay black punk. Like I have like a younger cousin who's like gay and black, but he like goes to church and shit. And I like, go back to Alabama, I'm like, don't you feel oppressed or whatever? And he's like, oppression, what are you talking about? Like, but like that's, there's definitely a segment of that where like, you can be a gay black dude down south as long as you like act well behaved and like sing in the choir. Right. You know what I mean? Like, but that wasn't, I was too pagany, you know, and drunk. Like that was never gonna like <laughs> yeah, yeah, be yeah. my life, you know? Yeah, totally. And so like, yeah, I do like always contend that like, most of my life has been spent amongst like straight white men you know a big part of like the like politics i absorbed a big part of everything was like these guys like kind of filtering in and like huh. handing me like you know in any type of weird literature like right, most totally. of my older idols like i'm like this young black gay kid and this older white guy who like wants me to play guitar and wants me to know who bukowski is you know what i'm saying like yeah. it's kind of like it's weird. I'm, it's not even mind fucky, but it's just like I think it's very peculiar, you know. Yeah, for sure. And not always like necessarily even like a negative thing. Like I was, I was very loved by these men. Yeah, it doesn't very, sound like you're. Yeah. You don't sound negative at all. I was very cherished by these men. You know what right. I mean? Like they were like, some of them were father figures. You know, like sure. for lack of a better word. So I'm always trying to like contend with that, or like what that meant, or what necessarily that like taught me or, you right. know I don't have any real answers for it either like. yeah no I don't think I think a lot of the like kind of I like don't even know how to start to parse some of the more complicated identity yeah politics or whatever you know what I mean like, like yeah like who am I yeah <laughs> right and like how do these various intersecting like the pla- how do all the places I come from inform the person I am today and like how do I how do I articulate that in a way that makes sense and is something I can communicate to another person. I have no idea. But then sometimes I also think like, there's like my father, there's my father who kind of like, my parents were never married and my dad is like worked for the railroad, my biological dad, me and him didn't grow up together, but my father, he spent most of like his adult life on the road with like crazy white redneck dudes. Like my dad like grew up in Southern Alabama, like taking me hunting, like it'd be like a dead deer in the back of the pickup truck and we're like blasting <laughs> Jimi Hendrix. He's like getting wasted. He like, you know, when I was 12, he used to be like, he would rail me for being Christian. He'd be like, you know, the fucking, they killed us black people. I can't believe your mom takes you to that bullshit. You know, Whoa. like, it's so like in this weird way, like of course, like, if you have a dad like that, it's not gonna be hard for you to like accept some like outlaw dude as like right. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you're kind of like saviors, you know. Yeah, so that I makes also think I was like predisposed to like mm-hmm. have like nihilist ass punk dudes as like my mentors or mentors, yeah. lovers, fucking you know, like yeah. So it does. I mean, I don't know. It makes a lot of sense in some ways, you know. Like, do you find yourself now? 
feeling an obligation to like find wayward young people and take them under your wing and teach them shit? Hell no, I am so scared of teenagers. <laughs> like the older I get, like I look at like younger kids and like, and I do feel like as I get older, like younger kids are more like, they definitely like, they get right in there. They're yeah, just right? like, like you'll just be like sitting there talking and then all of a sudden it's like, they'll just be like listening to you and they'll be like, oh, let's hang out and like, let's talk about this stuff, you know? Yeah. Like, but also like as a, me, like coming here as young as I did, I feel like I also picked up a lot of really bad mentors, you know? Yeah, of course. So I have like this like thing where I, I feel like I don't, I don't ever want to fuck anybody up or like, like make anyone let anyone think that my life is some type of blueprint right but then i also i also am coming out of that where i'm just like actually i i do a lot of cool stuff and i can be like a positive role model to like yeah or at least just like hear their problems out you know yeah totally we do i do believe in like community and i do believe that you know each one teach one yeah you know what i mean like for sure so i feel like i kind of i am i'm more than obligated to like kind of like you know lend myself out or like you know yeah. what I mean like yeah totally no I sometimes just I think about like the older it's mostly like cool older women that kind of like took me in and were like here's how you be in the world or whatever oh like, yeah yeah you yeah. know and like I think about that and I think about how different I would be if I had not had those figures in my life yeah just like being cool to me and teaching me and like helping me become the person I am and then I think like I'm doing a disservice to the greater community by not having like several young people I'm mentoring at any given time. Oh uh, yeah, but totally. like ha you can't make that like all of those relationships happen naturally. I'm not gonna go out and like find a 20 year old like hey you look lost. Like, <laughs> you know what punk is? <laughs> Let me teach you. I feel like that's exactly how it happened to me. <laughs> really? Like, I feel like I definitely was like picked by these people like. But then I also came from such a smaller place. Right. And I fucking stood out like a sore thumb anyway. So totally. they probably were trying to keep me from dying. Like, they probably thought some redneck was gonna kill me if they didn't like take me in or something. Yeah, fair enough. Was it, was there like active racism and shit going on? It's a weird, a, a point of like contingency with me because it's like, yeah, I feel like the South is a weird mix of like definitely, definitely like in your face shit. It's also a weird mix of like people being too genteel and polite in this way to saying anything. And then there's so many people were like, I was so fucking out of the frame of reference right. that they didn't even know what was going on. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, totally. like I was a black dude, I was gay as fuck, did not perform masculinity. And I'm sitting there wearing a fucking like Ramon, a ripped Ramon shirt. <laughs> so they're like, they're slowly trying to piece yeah, together. I, By the time they piece together what they think might be going on, I'm already have left the shop. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, yeah, it was a, it was a weird conglomeration of um, several things. My weed dealer isn't calling me back, and I'm really That's upset about that. Nah, I think we're good. Yeah, totally. Oh come on. This? You see what she did here? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's very telling of like where New Yorkers go when they hit the West Coast. When any New Yorkers that move to LA, I don't trust them. <laughs> the ones that come here, I like that. Yeah. 
I like LA. I like the party culture there. I like the kids that party there. But just right. like the way that city is mapped out, I can't. Like, what I like about the, like, they make fun of us and call us like granola or whatever, which is true. But the thing about the Bay is, I just, I love being a fucking pedestrian. I love uh-huh. being like, that's another reason why I love Chattanooga, because it's like the only pedestrian city. You could walk shitty. around Chattanooga, yeah. Atlanta, Bur- there is no, no southern Atlanta's city you walk out. around. Yeah. Well, LA, okay, think about it like that. Like, like LA, God, you'll get somewhere in LA and you are trapped there. You go to a you go to a bar and then you'll be your friends. Oh, let's go to the next bar. The next bar is like fucking like eight miles away, and then you have to endure like an hour worth of traffic to get there. So much of LA is like spent in a car uh-huh. to where it's just like. I can't like you know and a lot of people are moving down there from here because of like the tech boom up here but actually it's just like i just don't feel like la is that much cheaper for like what you have to deal with like yeah yeah i don't know i never understood it i always (laughs) wondered if i would like live in new york but i feel like my time for like i feel like if i did that i should have done that like seven years ago maybe new york's pretty Pretty all right these days, I feel like. New York's got a good little, there's like a good little thing going on. Hmm. It might just be that I'm in a better place though than I've been in a long time, you know? So everything feels better. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I don't, yeah. But then, I don't know. Like sometimes, I don't know. I feel like sometimes like this is my home. And also just because of like the constraints of this place, I feel like that's why I got to switch through so many mediums. Right. So like, so so effortlessly. Like all the dancer performers I know in New York, like they like, I mean, it's def- they definitely, they probably, they make more money, but they right. definitely have like less output just cause I feel like, I don't know. It doesn't feel, Huh. I See, don't I don't know make... any dancers in New York. Like, I feel like I know people from a lot. I've, I've lived there my whole life. I know a lot of different type of people that do a ton of weird things. I don't think I know a single dancer in New York. You know you what I mean? You should check out. You should check out perform. My friend, this girl who used to, um, well, this woman who used to live here. She lives out there. But you know, like the Judson Church, right? Yeah, ever, of course. And then, like, but the movement research. Like, I don't know what that is. Movement. I think movement research is what Judson turned into. And so they like, I always try to go to classes there when I'm in New York, but I never make it around to it because I'm partying too much. Yeah, I'll look but it up. But they have like, yeah, you know, they have like performances around there and I don't know, just other like weird pockety shit. It seems like it's like a lot of weird loft parties. And- yeah, I mean, I just say that to illustrate that like, it is, you know, New York is, is bigger in certain ways and there's more opportunity or whatever in certain ways, but because of that, everything is so much more specified maybe than here where like, you're at the punk show and you know people that are doing dance performances or whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah. And there's also maybe more of a connection between the punk scene and like some kind of artistic community. It kind of has to be. Right? That, yeah. that might not be as... It's easier to kind of... Uh, it's more separate, I feel like, in New York. I could, yeah. Or maybe, I don't know. I would love to hang out there for the summer. Just to like date new people. You should, it's a good town. Yeah, hopefully. Hopefully, maybe the summer after next summer. That's the good, I like that kind of adulthood shit where now it's like, like I have a friend, I do this like uh, like accountability 
collective or whatever where we do work with sexual assaulters and survivor support stuff. And uh, I have a friend that's in, it's called Support New York. I have a friend in Support New York who is moving to Philly in 2017. And it's like, oh, cool, like, you're planning that now. Like, I love it. I mean, yeah. I love, that that's, I love it like that. That's how your life, like, we're all in our 30s, and we all are like, okay, this is what my life's going to look like for the next five years. Like, you kind of have to, Yeah, man. it's cute, man. It's nice. Just being like, it's what we got. Mm-hmm. I think we can wind down. Anything you want to say on the radio? Anything you've always wanted to say on the radio that you never got a chance to say? <laughs> Fuck, shit. <laughs> Pussy dick. <laughs> Use rubbers. Um, no, I'm good. Where the days are short and the nights are long And I walk a little walk And I twist a little twist And I shimmy a little shimmy And I fly a little fly Whenever I say a red bun In the warm California sun Hey, thank you. Thank you so much for uh, participating in this thing. Thanks for listening to the whole damn conversation. Thanks to Brontes. He is the shit. He's got some books out that you should read for sure. One, Cruising Diaries with uh, our friend Janelle. Uh, It's a comic slash a book. It's got bathhouse stories. It's fucking tight. Two, Johnny, Would You Love Me If My Dick Were Bigger? We talk about that one in the episode. That is a uh, semi-autobiographical, quote-unquote, memoir, not a memoir, whatever. It's pretend fiction. Number three, Since I Laid My Burden Down, uh, which is fantastic. Actual fiction, although, like, how fictional is anything? Um, But it's beautifully written. It looks great. And I don't know if I'm at liberty to talk about what he's working on now, but if I... uh, you know, keep an eye out because he's very talented and very fun. Thanks to LaCara Occulta for writing the theme song. Thanks to all listeners. Fuck uh, the state of Israel, all cops, and uh, Roseanne Barr, Billy Joel. Fuck your negative attitude. We are the punks. Azazen Pesach. <laughs>